Hi, Christine. Hi, Paige. <laughs> it's really, it's really good to be podcasting again and yeah. recording it. For real. Yes, for real. Really good. Hey, listeners. This is Color and Company. Today, we're talking about the Book of Matthew. So Paige, can I ask you before we jump into Matthew? Yeah. How has your new year been? Like how's your 20, your new year, Paige? <laughs> it's not the new year, Christine. <laughs> <sighs> how has it been? How's your January been? Your January. January. So far. Good. My January mm. has actually been uh, really nice. Pretty smooth. It was wonderful. Yeah. That's, that is wonderful. It is. Mine. Mine was full of sickness and sadness. Oh no, <laughs> just, just the sickness. I'm really glad. I'm glad that we still got to meet while I was sick. Thank you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and that, I was really glad of it too. It felt really selfish on my part. God, I know no, you're sick. Not at all. Get online. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Community. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we have been reading Matthew and we've gotten not very far into our study of Matthew. Yeah. I think Paige, you've read ahead quite a bit because you're just a read, you read, you read oh, the Bible. Yeah, it's true. Not that I don't, I, <laughs> I do, but yeah. I have, I have been... read Matthew recently. Mm. Yeah. Just because okay. it's part of my but... like regular everyday reading read the whole bible every day reading plan it's a good plan it's a good plan so i did notice a few things um that i wanted to talk about i guess it just in culture in matthew someone had posted on facebook page that the (laughs) that joseph and um zachariah Mm -hmm. zachariah 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 Elizabeth's husband, Um, John the Baptist's dad, that they were both um, pretty silent. It was a post that like they appreciated the silence from Joseph and Zechariah and the male figures. Well, it really was like, how many times did an angel come to Mary, right? It was, it was one messenger to Mm -hmm. Mary. The rest of the communication and leadership was through Joseph. Yeah. And that's not being silent, right? Like that's like, yeah, no, Joseph was a vital stage. role. Yeah. yeah. Like his decisions, his heart, his, uh, you know, everything like God was using Joseph <laughs> and that can't be ignored. It can't be like, it doesn't have to be emphasized, I guess, yeah. Yeah. but it can't be like dismissed. That's crazy. That's mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> then you're in danger of telling the wrong story, right? Like that's the problem with Bible reading today. It is really hard to hear a sermon without wondering, like, I wonder if they're taking that out of context. Yeah. I wonder if that's actually what the text says. And that's a bummer. That's such a bummer that that's like listening to any sermon. I have to think that now. Why? And that like, is that my neuroses, my, my own problem? Or is that like, a real problem kind of those thoughts then come into my mind (laughs) yeah well I think it's always been a problem I think it's always been a problem because in the bible it says specifically that you shouldn't listen to me but like look it up and be a good Berean you know 
Oh, always right. You got to think about them brands. They're also, you hear <laughs> a lot of talk about them lately because of this issue. Like it is super prevalent and well, <laughs> super prevalent in the Christian world. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Like the, yeah. and so Bereans are For like, those of us sitting in the pews every Sunday. Yeah. So, but the idea that Joseph was also important in the lineage of Christ, yeah. that he was heir, that like right. to the heir to the throne of David, but also a descendant of the house of David yes. through Mary. And that was something I didn't uh, put together, which like, as I say it, that seems like such a simple thing yeah. to say, right. but no one ever pointed it out that simply to me. Right. It was like, I, it was always kind of a question, like, what is, what's the deal with <laughs> Mary, Mary being the bearer and Joseph's blood, not even being involved, like Joseph's genes, like that was not even a part of the equation. So is he really a descendant or whatever? So, and yes, because of Mary and that's so important. And just the, the genealogy is super interesting. I feel like you had insights with the genealogy. Too. Yeah, the so genealogy I, just, I noticed yeah. was it actually points out three sets of four, 14 and 14 is two sevens. So it's three, it's six sevens, which is so perfect. If you think about Jubilee and the whole message about Sabbath years and all that, um, Jesus calls himself the uh, Lord of the Sabbath. And so he comes mm. specifically at this time. And so there's going to be a lot of sevens, I think, hopefully, I, I believe in all the gospels. Um, I feel like since Ooh. we're reading one of the synoptic gospels, so the other ones probably mention it too, but probably, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know in John, they use a lot of sevens because John's my book. <laughs> I just study John a lot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> John wait what was the what which gospel did you read the resurrection story from that day yeah and uh someone came down to use the printer was that John John yeah mm -hmm. John yeah yeah who brought you to Christ Paige well the Holy Spirit and the apostle John I know <laughs> it's fine he's been dead a long time but um you know who was right there words <laughs> he wrote a book he wrote Oh, actually, I wanted to explain, I mean, ask you to explain a little bit more about Jubilee, because we hear the word Jubilee and instantly just think that's like jubilation. We think about what Joy. it means today. Right, Joy exactly. and celebration, which it is, but the, it reason, is, yeah. it, the reason is from the Bible. The reason our word Jubilee means joy and celebration is because of what it means in the Bible. So um it has to do with sevens and god had this whole sevens plan so there's seven days and the seventh day is blessed but then there's also the seventh set of seven years so like the 49th year was jubilee the jubilee came so it's mm. either the 49th year or the 50th year and i think it's actually both i think it's two years sure okay i think it's Ooh. two years but I don't, we, I have to look it up. I'm not sure, but the year of okay. Jubilee means everybody's family property go back to their family. Okay. Like so a like, reset. Yeah. So it's like a restoration. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a big restoration and reset. So if you, um, and, or your family or your parents or whatever had sold yourself 
into servitude uh, because you had a hard gear and you needed food and you couldn't make it or whatever, you weren't able to survive. You would sell, you could sell your land, you could sell your children, you could sell yourself into servitude. Hmm. And it's not, not the like Bible today. uses the word slavery, but it's right. not the same exactly. You're just, you live at someone's <laughs> house and you do like cooking and cleaning. So anyways, you, all those people are freed and you receive the rights to your land back. You move back home, all, your family goes back and everything kind of, it's a major reset um, and nobody is indebted to anybody. All debts are canceled and all that. Mm. So that's why Jesus, actually, the first time that he reads in a synagogue and teaches after his like wilderness oh. wanderings and all that, he reads from Isaiah. I think Isaiah is 63. And it's a, actually a prophecy about the Jubilee. And he says, in your hearing, now this is fulfilled. And so mm. the Jubilee is where Jesus talked, Jesus talks about himself using Jubilee language. So it's really cool. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, the way it connects Christ to, <laughs> to the fulfillment of all God's promises, right? Like yes. it really is, God is setting us up in, in all of history, in all of human history to see this, to see the Messiah. And, you know, not to say like, it's very clear as well that people would miss it. Like it uh -huh. seems that's also very clear that, uh, well, and anyway. Yeah, you have to be, you have to, I mean, it's hard for Gentiles to pick up the New Testament and just see the Old Testament in it. If you haven't read it, right. studied it and learned the things about for it, sure. if you're not, because all these, all the authors in the New Testament are Jews and they're steeped in the old testament right. i mean they grew up memorizing it and hearing it every week and talking <laughs> about it and all that so you know mm -hmm. they have totally different perspective on stuff than we do and it's hard to catch it all that's the crazy thing that people can come to faith in christ without knowing yeah the whole of human history right like like me. it's just yeah right no no <laughs> maybe kind of all of us all knows of, us. All of, of course, all of us for sure. But someone who hasn't studied the Bible or someone yeah. who hasn't grown up hearing about Jesus their whole life in a Christian home, yeah, like that someone hears it and believes mm -hmm. is that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> the criminal on the cross, right? That was just that was enough. That's that's it. That's it. That does it. Yeah. But yes. I mean. <laughs> People get really weird about their testimonies page, right? They like if sure you've been do. a Christian since you're a tiny child yeah. and you see the hypocrisy in the church and you still are like trying to sort that out and whatever. And you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> but then you have a really hard time explaining your testimony that like, it was, well, I've just always believed yeah. as if that's a credit to you or something like, right. I don't know. It's really hard. <laughs> it is really hard. One of my friends is going through that. She was actually talking to me about it. And like, she's in this mm. discipleship class and they want her to come up with, or they want everybody in the class to come up with like a testimony that you would tell somebody in just a few minutes about what God has done in your life, I guess. And she's okay. like, I can't, I don't know. Because the, the idea is mm. like, 
for someone who comes to Christ later, you have this old story of like how you were crazy and you did all these awful things and you were a drug abuser (laughs) and a prostitute and then you were saved and now you're not. And it's like this giant transformation. But then if you've grown up in the church or you, you know, became a believer at a younger age or weren't a prostitute or a drug user before you believed in Christ, then it's like, (laughs) what's your transformation story? Because life doesn't just Mm -hmm. get easier or better or look more perfect after you believe and it's like she's like what's my testimony then and I'm like well you know who you are now and you didn't know used to know but anyway oh that's a super interesting way to put it right like if you grow up in the church and at a very young age start believing that Jesus is the savior of the world and total covering from God's, you know, righteous judgment, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then, uh, that's, that's the testimony. That's it. Like, Hey, I just, (laughs) I just was confronted very early with the idea and I believed. Mm -hmm. And then after that, everything I encountered went through that filter (laughs) and that's a different life for someone who doesn't know Jesus. Yes. It's a different life. And that's the testimony. I don't know. Maybe that's, and that's yeah. powerful in itself. Like yeah. what? That's a different life. It because is. <laughs> you've been able to live your whole life in the truth and you have the security of eternal life already. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're living your life in rest because you have eternal life now and oh, everything gosh, else wow. you do is. Yeah. I feel like then once you're saved at a young age, uh, you're kind of lumped into this group of kids that may or may not have an authentic relationship with God. And the discipleship lack there is really interesting. Like I just listened to a sermon from my hometown and because I didn't go to church, I stayed home with the twins. We've been sick. (laughs) So I listened to the sermon from my hometown and the whole sermon page, which I loved, but the whole thing was about how to have a quiet time. Oh, it was just like that. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. I think the sermon really was more toward the reliability of scripture, mm-hmm. the trustworthiness of God. And this is what time spent with him can look like. And I think that was good, but it was also like, this is being done from the pulpit now because it's not being done anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening. That's yeah. what's happening. Handholding. It's very, what, yeah, yeah. And just like, not because that's a bad thing, but because that's such a different, that's not how. I know. It shouldn't be something that you are seeking instruction on because you don't know how to do it, but yeah. it should be something that you're growing in. Like, right. You can't just, I don't know. I feel like I've been in a place before where I was like, wow, maybe I'm doing this wrong because I wasn't getting a certain feeling or I wasn't like, you know, it's all sensationalism now. Right. So sorry. We're talking about Matthew, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I do, I just feel for, um, I feel for moms who are now not equipped, like, yes. Okay. Well, 
Now I just feel like I'm talking in a circle <laughs> and doing Let's a lot of talking. Matthew. Please let yeah. us. Okay. So Christine, so, I heard you wanted to say something about the Magi. Oh, I have a funny thing about the Magi. Okay. <laughs> I heard, so I listened to a teacher, Stephen Armstrong, and he does verse by verse ministries. Oh. I really appreciate his teaching. It's, yeah. it's fun. It's good. And he said this, this, and he didn't like, no one has to believe this. That's, I also appreciate <laughs> right. that he will qualify everything he says is like, I don't like, <laughs> unless it's explicitly said in scripture and we know, and the spirit confirms that this is truth, then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he was like, um, the star, he pointed out a few things to me, one uh, to me directly (laughs) individually he called you (laughs) he pointed out that the magi it wasn't explicitly said in the gospels that there were three right i feel like just our knowledge of the past and that kind of culture and the geography Mm -hmm. (laughs) of the time there's a giant it would be really yeah hard to believe it would be three (laughs) right but it's explicit that there were three gifts Maybe yeah. there were more, but these three specifically were given. Yeah. But three okay, were named. So yeah. Three were named for sure. And and because of their significance, right? Right. right. Which I feel like that's taught a lot in the story, the uh-huh. significance of the three gifts. And so so I was like tracking, following. And then he said, so the star appears, right? And they know that it means the king of the Jews, the savior of the world is born, right? Yeah. How do they know? Yeah. How do they know is the question he started pursuing. And in his, um, you know, years of study, he, you know, put it together and probably with the help of teachers, right. That Daniel uh, was one of the first like magis who knew the story, who knew the plan of God's redemption. And Daniel was a magi only because um, Judah and uh, Israel, right. Israel, Israel, Judah, they were, you know, in, in captivity in Babylon and it's like Assyria and the Babylon, they were in the East and often the East refers to Mesopotamia, which, you know, Babylon, he put that together is like, okay, so then they would have known because they're in former Babylon. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. he also said the funniest thing that I still, I don't know what to think about it, but I think about it often. <laughs> okay. He thinks that the star, so it's not a planet or a wandering star or whatever. It's like this weird light Okay. that yeah. looks like a star. Yeah. So it looks, you know, stars are far away, but they're sure. bright. Yeah. <laughs> and um, in Ezekiel, the presence, the Shekinah glory of God, yeah. like, like leaves the temple. Um, it's like... The vision is, the vision is that it's like taken up. Gosh, okay. it's such a detailed vision with oh. the chair. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like a, a thing. The chair with wheels, then, the chariot thing. And that's when his presence leaves the people. <laughs> and then they're in captivity suddenly. Maybe not so suddenly, but <laughs> then they're in <laughs> captivity. And um, he says that it it is a fun thought, if anything, right? That that light that they saw could have been the Shekinah glory mm. shining over the universe, like, right? Like the, in, in the universe. <laughs> right. 
shining looking down because it like then it reappears after right. they meet with Herod they're like so where's that king king <laughs> <laughs> and then the, it reappears and they rejoice because they see the star and it like stands over Bethlehem mm. and they knew already that they were supposed to go to Bethlehem because Herod's magi sorcerers mm -hmm. Bethlehem is the place that the Messiah is supposed to be born yeah and you know and so they are on their way to Bethlehem they see the star over it so they're like whoa this is it and they meet Jesus so but the idea that it's the Shekinah glory yeah <laughs> is like it tickles me so much yeah like what a fun thought yeah. Whether or not it's true. I don't sure. even know if it matters. <laughs> right. But what a fun thought. Okay. Yeah. So that was, but it I is. never connected Magi, the wise men, three kings. That was always a really out there detail that kind of just spoke to God's sovereignty and yes. omniscience and omnipotence. Right. And that was fine. That's yeah. fine. That's enough. Yeah. But knowing that maybe they knew because Daniel was sovereignly placed in their culture and influence spheres of influence but i mean and that also doesn't have to be the thing <laughs> right yeah yeah but i like it so yeah. if you tell your kids the story what a fun detail to like pose like hey <laughs> what all of the bible matters yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, history builds up on itself these aren't isolated incidences it uh, all connects because yeah. it's one story. That's right. So, I mean, then it's a whole nother level for them to believe that this is God, right? And that like they were believing this <sighs> is the king of the Jews, savior of the world. And so believing he's God is like a next level another. step for everyone, yeah. everyone. Right. It's in such question. <laughs> yeah, it is, which is so silly. Yeah. <laughs> As we were talking about earlier, because Jesus asserts that he is God and the gospels are all clearly written that he is God. And in Matthew, you know, in the first couple of chapters, I think <clears throat> the way it is elucidated to, to me and I think to a lot of people, but the word that we use for the first book of the Bible, the Hebrew word is Bereshit, but it's translated into Greek as genesis and so that's the word we use and the new testament is written in genesis including matthew and the word genesis is actually used twice in the book matthew at the beginning at the very beginning it's the first word of the book of matthew is genesis because it means the beginning or the origins kind of i guess of mm. Jesus. so it's like an intro to the genealogies there like but translated here is genealogy yeah so because that's how we understand origin <laughs> It's translated here as genealogy because it doesn't make sense in English to say the beginning, the genesis of Jesus, the beginning Christ. of Jesus. It's confusing <laughs> okay. in English. Yeah. yeah. So the origins. Yeah, it would be cool to say the origins, but I think it that's recent. Feels superhero. Yeah, that's recent. Like just in the past okay. couple decades. It would be, uh -huh. that would make sense, right? Don't you think? That, that would make sense, right? The origin yeah. stories of all the heroes, right? Like this is a... Yeah, okay. so I don't know. But yeah, they just don't, I mean, it's just, but if you go back to the Greek, it's Genesis. So after the genealogy is listed out there, it uses it again as at verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And that's actually Genesis there too. 
the origins mm. of Jesus took place in this way. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it uses the word Genesis twice and that's on purpose to get you to like, get you in the mindset of Genesis. And as soon mm. as he uses the word the second time, he also says, Holy spirit. Um, and he says it twice in the, oh. even in that sentence, uh, in that verse, verse 18, at the end, they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy spirit. So this, if you think of Jesus as a new Adam, then you are, you know, Matthew is trying to get you to think of mm. a new creation, right? This is like a new creation story. And Jesus coming into the world is a new creation. Um, and after that, so it says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Yahweh saves. For he will save his people from their sins. So Yahweh Say, is going to save his people from his sins or Yahweh saves is going to save his people saves. from his sins, right? So it's like, it's getting, it's, okay. it's starting to assert Jesus's identity as part of the Trinity, as God, mm, right? As God, And yes. <laughs> then he reiterates this by saying that this is fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah said they shall call his name Emmanuel because Emmanuel means God with us, right? So, mm. so boom, we're talking about the deity of Christ here, and it's mm -hmm. and it's right there, right in the beginning of Matthew. So, yeah, um, a lot of people would say that's very hand wavy, though, and what a stretch. But I like that's maybe another thing that like when you believe that that's totally not a stretch at all, and when you no. like, all right, I don't know what it actually is is hebrew literary style on purpose mm, so if you purpose. have been reading the bible you know that that's how you communicate it's a literary mm. device oh, see that's good it's on purpose <laughs> and it's been like that throughout the old testament and so matthew is saying this goes with and is from the scriptures in all these mm. ways i'm using the style i'm explicitly quoting from the texts i mean it's all very on purpose that he's doing it this way it makes total sense i did like in researching matthew right it's like his audience is the jewish people like the mm -hmm. people of israel like his audience is <laughs> to this nation so that those things are embedded isn't a stretch. Like it's right. supposed to be in there and it's yeah. not an accident. Right. So I do, I like that. I feel like I'm I'm not an apologetics person. So it is very like, it's easy for me to just be like, oh no, they don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't try. Like, no, I should, I should probably have some answers just in case. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. And or explanations, not answers. But. Yes, right, right. Responses. <laughs> Responses. That's it. Yes. That's it. <sighs> yeah. But so the um the prophecies in the book of Matthew, and I think throughout the prophecies are very interesting. And it lays mm. out explicitly that Jesus is a replacement for the nation of Israel. Because if you think the nation of Israel is called God's son. God's firstborn in the story of Exodus, I hmm. remember explicitly God saying, 
that's why he killed the first firstborn sons right. in Egypt was because he's saving his firstborn and that's Israel. Mm-hmm. And then he brings them out to Sinai and gives them the covenant and all that stuff. So God is taking Jesus through on purpose things that he took Israel through to show everybody how it's supposed to be done, to be an example, to do what Israel wasn't able to do. So some people think that when they read these prophecies, for example, in verse 15 of chapter two, or in verse 18 of chapter two, it's talking about, it says out of Egypt, I call my son. And that's the Exodus story that is referring to the whole nation of Israel. And here it's specifically talking about Jesus. So it's purposefully replacing the nation of Israel with Jesus. Um, Oh, I love it. And that is actually a huge stumbling block, I think, for Jews today. Christine, I recently read on, because, okay, so in my Book of John study, something we were reading was referring back to Isaiah 53, um, 11. And I, in my search, in my Google search, like a response from Jews, like a rabbi in the Aish.com came up about that and like why Jesus is not the Messiah. And he specifically (laughs) says that when people use Isaiah 53 and try to make the suffering, what is it? The suffering servant out to Mm -hmm. be Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's not how jews have always read that or how the text was meant to be the son of god in that isn't one person it's the nation of israel and that was like his whole argument and i was like no you should read the book of matthew look that's the point of matthew (laughs) that's the whole point is that jesus is replacing israel because israel wasn't able to do Mm. it Mm -hmm. and in that he's saving the nation one person saves the nation it's just how like abraham was called out of the world because originally god created the whole world and all of humanity and abraham was called out as one person to save humanity and the nation of israel was called out as god's son to save the world it's always been about the whole world not just the nation of israel the purpose of the nation of Israel was to save the world and they weren't able to do it as a people. So God had to send Messiah. And that's that that's like the evolution is it went from trying to save all people and mm. flood narrative and everybody's evil and you can't do it. So he took out one person and his family, Noah, and that didn't work. And so then he took out one person and his family, Abraham, and that didn't work. And so God is like, okay, Jesus, one person, and it's actually my divine son. So anyways, it's the just only one able, the only one able, right? Fully human. Yeah. Who can um, open the scroll? Who can open the scroll? That's right. The only one where they. So that's okay. That's a really hard thing for Christians to reconcile too, like why is Israel the chosen people? What does that mean about me? And like, uh, (laughs) that's a huge topic, of course. Right, yes. (laughs) But also 
something that I feel like is avoided. It's just avoided. Like yeah. it's not entertained. It's not um, talked about enough, I think, because you do like, you have to study a little bit to get there. And that's it, a lot of people aren't, you know, they don't have that time. Not like they don't have time to read the Bible, <laughs> but they don't, <laughs> yeah, right. if they didn't have the benefit of being a student and yeah. it's just hard. We have these ideas in the West of what we think prophecy is. And it's yes, not right, right, right. what prophecy is in the Bible. And so when we we work really hard and we and we study so hard and we trust that the Holy Spirit is the only teacher we need, that you know, the counsel for yeah. the for the Bible. And it's just it's really hard to do on your own. You know, you do need the whole counsel of scripture and right. like understanding the perspective of the people who wrote the Bible, whom God chose specifically to write the Bible from their culture. Like, and you know, you need to understand that a little bit to understand what God is trying to say. Which can like, um, an archeologist over here goes to our church over here in Amman. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I'm in Amman. <laughs> <laughs> Pages in the States, Michigan. Yeah gonna out you i'm just kidding go blue <laughs> so <laughs> out here um i heard this archaeologist um gave a interview and one of the points he made was americans have very different questions than people in the middle east have and very different like conflicts with scripture than yeah. people in america have and it is like a like there was a movement i think around like the televangelist time where like I'm not saying anything against Max Lucado but his brand of um um sentimentality um and and stuff like I think there was a place for it and there is a place for it for sure but that started an interesting trend that changed American Christianity like yeah so that I I didn't know that that was a pivotal turning point, and I feel like I have Max Lucado's children's books. Like I like I like them. they're not yeah. bad. Like, but but that like Christian Christianity appealing to emotions uh-huh. um, changed Americans, you know, thinking about God and Christianity, and right. just super interesting stuff. And you can see it even in like. In politics, like the appeal to emotion is so yeah. strong. It's it like is. insane, literally yeah. insane. Like yes. <laughs> people go berserk yeah, on high emotions. Like, yeah. so, so in the Middle East, that's not as prevalent. I mean, it's definitely emotional over here, but it's not like there's less um, emphasis on the experience of the Holy Spirit or feeling God. And it's more emphasis on like, God is God. Yes. And <laughs> like everyone here believes that like the Islam's Islam people, Islam, <laughs> listen to me, the Islamic people, <laughs> the Muslims around me, they believe there is God and that is God. And the, the idea that Jesus was a person that really existed, that's not a question. And the idea that um, there are prophecies that will be fulfilled. That's not a question, (laughs) but like those are, that's a huge, the way that we end up as Americans presenting the gospel, Mm. especially as 
as like uh, trying to defend Christ as the fulfillment of prophecy, it does get into a really weird space because we don't understand that part of what yeah. prophecy was and is right. to yeah. this audience, this specific audience in this gospel, right? Like this is interesting, but yeah. Um, I also have a note about stick man. Stick man. Why yeah. is Oh, Christine. So look, I mean, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about or how I was talking about um, Matthew writing this book for, uh, in the style of Hebrew literature and oh, the okay. scriptures. All He's right. also Greek. I mean, they're in the Greek culture and it's okay. very influential. <laughs> So yeah, he's using yeah. both here. So this is so oh. interesting. So um, if you try to find somewhere in the Old Testament that says that Jesus is going to, that Messiah is going to be a Nazarene or something, you don't, you don't come up with anything. He's not quoting any one passage or scripture. So that's why your Bible isn't like, oh yeah, find this uh, fulfilled prophecy in Jeremiah or whatever. It's, that's not what's going to happen here. Um, so it's confused people. And there's a lot of different theories about how this is prophecy. But the one I like the best that I'm going to explain right now, which makes so much sense to me, is that Matthew is doing wordplay. So okay. um, Nazareth is the name of the town. And the meaning of Nazar in Greek is branch or like sprout. <sighs> right? Okay. Also, the word natser in Hebrew, same sounds, means the same thing. It means sprout. If you search the Old Testament for natser, you find Isaiah 11.1, 1. a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Oh, yeah. From his roots, a branch will be, wow, I can't read my own handwriting, fruit will bear <laughs> fruit. A branch mm. will bear fruit, right? A so, yeah, so it's Natser. So it's this play on the word because Messiah okay. is um, talked about in several different places in the prophets as being this branch. The branch will do this, the branch will do that, the branch, branch, branch. And it just means like stick, you know, it's like sprout, stick. And so it's like <laughs> Messiah is stick man. <laughs> and and this is his origin story. <laughs> that's right. This is his origin story. He is from oh stick gosh. town. <laughs> <laughs> so Nazareth. So that's and that's he'll like, bear fruit, and anyone in him will bear fruit, and it's gonna be a lot of fruit. <laughs> that's right. So okay. that's where so that's that, that prophecy. Name. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So part of my part of my idea in Advent was to reconcile these things, the idea like what what these prophecies because you know Advent the Advent readings are so so weird to yes. our ears, they're like Super weird. these disjointed <laughs> things and like we need more context because we're you know I feel like going to church like we anticipate this like uh rest we anticipate this like reconnect right with like this is who we really are we are people of god worship him and our lives are all about him but then like 
the Advent reading is something I don't understand. So there's a huge disconnect, right? Like, so <laughs> what I wanted to do was go through, there are these like 14 very like pointed out prophecies um, in, in Advent readings and in the New Testament, just about his birth, like just mm. about how Jesus would come, like just literally just come. <laughs> and so my hope is that next year in 2022, I will have something to do with my kids that helps bridge the gap between, you know, Old Testament prophecy that was both prophetic and meaningful and literal at the time, like alluding to their current situation, yet prophetic and like just putting them together so that they grow up with this more clear understanding, not necessarily yeah. better or deeper because some kids probably had parents who got it and led them up in this, but that's, oh my gosh, the burden on parents is real. <laughs> the church doesn't do it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the church isn't necessarily who should be doing it. It should be parents, but I don't know. Right. So, <laughs> um, that's a tool I want just to use one of the words we've talked about tools, having tools page. Yeah. I want that season I to know. be really focused. <laughs> and, uh, cause that season is a huge battle, right? Like we all just went through it. Yeah. We all just went through it. <laughs> it we was a battle. It. It, we made we it. Made it. <laughs> Good man. We do have our own, you know, personal adventures to talk about next week in yeah. uh so i have more stories i want to kind of get your take on page yeah on how I'm to excited. teach these stories <laughs> and you have the kids in your family bible study going yeah, yeah that's right that's right we want to just share ideas as we come up with them because we are always searching for these ideas and one thing and i want to share i want to oh, share good. a thing about kids if you want your okay. kids to memorize scripture the, be the best help for that is songs get a song yes yes get a scripture song. good tip yep it's real just google just google a bible verse and then the word song or yes youtube go to youtube probably and put in the bible verse <laughs> that you want to memorize and then put song um yes or you could go to amazon they have i think on amazon music free like almost all the awanas songs so like awanas is a bible scout program for kids at a lot oh, of Baptist right. churches oh I forgot about Awana yeah Awana it stands for something uh yeah. something I don't know uh but we did it one year because it was offered through our chapel um and okay. it just turned out to be a great resource for bible verse songs for us awesome so cool. those are on Amazon you should check that out yeah, there are things out there like scripture lullabies and stuff like that, but they're yeah. not catchy. They're uh -huh. just, they're good for like putting everyone to sleep. Like, yeah. let's just listen to this and have quiet time. And then you get, a, you know, scriptures in the background, <laughs> but yeah. it's not like um, a way to memorize scripture. It's just a way right. to kind of enjoy beautiful scripture. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I want to look up really quick. There's a lady who has created verse songs that go to nursery rhymes that you already oh, know. Cool. And like um, one of them, 
I don't think she would hate me for doing this, <laughs> but it's a soft answer. A soft answer turns away wrath, turns away wrath, Aww. but a harsh word, but a harsh word stirs up anger, <laughs> stirs up anger. That's cute. And then it doesn't include the reference in the song, which kills me because that's, I never remember references. Aww. So I, I would just figure out a way to put that into a song but that's the letter a (laughs) proverb something it's a proverb and so a soft answer is how she did the like connect this so she has these 26 nursery rhymes that she's put of scripture over heart happy learning i think is her yes heart happy learning and she has um an etsy shop where you can buy her little flashcards for this but really um oh I guess it's on Etsy too that you can download them and just make them yourself and it's less expensive but I mean I downloaded them and I'm still laminating them like two years later (laughs) so (laughs) I would just buy the cards if you're really into this idea yeah and I have liked it but we haven't done all 26 letters because they're not laminated we're currently for the book of John we're memorizing um chapter 20 verses 31 and 30 30 and 31 because that's the part where um john says that that's why he wrote the book you know what i mean we wrote the book so that you would believe those are the verses for that cool and it's set to christina it's set to i've been working on the railroad (laughs) (laughs) i love this did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book (laughs) anyway (laughs) can you think of all the stories that weren't recorded (laughs) just kidding that's not scripture not scripture Next week, hopefully, we'll talk a little bit more about Matthew, and we'll probably have less to say because we won't have talked about it three times already. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, we'll see. <laughs> we'd love to hear your thoughts, and we'd love your encouragement and your tools. If this is helpful at all, we'd love to know that. Yeah. That would be amazing. It's so hard, and we feel for you, moms. That's right. We feel it. So, we'll if you want to get a hold of us, you can oh, comment yes. anywhere. You can also mm-hmm. send us an email, colorandcompanyblog at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for the blog. I might be blogging on the blog. We'll see. Yeah. All right. See you.